You're now listening to the Hot Take Podcast with Stephen Blake, your source for everything fantasy football. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni of Fantrax HQ and Blake Sullivan of Roto Ballers. Welcome in. This is the Hot Take Podcast. My name is Stephen Taroni fantasy professor joined by me as always is blake sullivan what's going on blake not much finally going on a little bit more of a winning streak in fantasy yeah really starting to feel it gearing up for the playoffs man yeah you were down and out a couple weeks ago i was like man this guy's in a bad way but you're 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 back to life yeah i was getting a little bit depressed with all my fantasy teams i was about to just quit give up on football turn off the tv but you know sometimes you just gotta get back on the horse <laughs> definitely yeah and we're back for another episode of the hot take podcast we got a special guest today anthony servino head writer at gridiron experts and co-host at ff faceoff podcast what's going on anthony nothing much guys how are you doing good man yeah it's cool that uh we can get you on the show i know that we've crossed paths here and there i think we did a uh an industry mock at the beginning of the season and uh, since then, I've been following your stuff. So it's been a pleasure, man. We're going to get into all of your start and sit questions. And we're going to talk a little Des Bryant. Finally, uh, we've been waiting for that for a while here on the hot take. But first, we want to get into the most frustrating player in fantasy football this season. And Blake, why don't you start us off here with a quarterback that really hasn't lived up to expectations? Yeah, and it's kind of crazy because this is the reason I drafted this guy. He's usually very consistent, a safe play. I drafted Tom Brady, and behind him, I went with Matt Stafford. Matthew Stafford's always been that consistent guy that you can count on from week to week. So I knew if Brady was on bye, if Brady got hurt, Brady wasn't playing well, I'd be fine to throw in Stafford. He'd be getting me points. But this year has been just the exact opposite. I've actually only ended up playing him two weeks. One of those was a uh, bye week for Tom Brady. And the other one was in week two where Matthew Stafford went off after his horrible first game of the year where he had four interceptions. That's been his only really good game of the year. He put up 34 points in our league. Other than that, he's never been over 30 points, only been over 25 points two other times this year. Yeah, that's really disappointing. Matthew Stafford, I'm looking, he's – He's back-end QB2 right now for the season. Uh, this is really unfortunate for a guy who is supposed to be a, you know, a QB1 by all accounts. I know I had him ranked uh, as a QB1 at the beginning of this season. So that's really disappointing when you consider this offense is uh, you know, a passing offense. They're trying to get more into the running game, you know, and it's, it's working uh, occasionally this season. It's just not consistent just yet. So I think that that's what we're seeing is this transition of uh, kind of a stylistic approach for the Detroit Lions. And no more Golden Tate now to throw to either. Right, yeah. So they, they got worse in the passing game for sure. Um, Anthony, how about you? I know you got another quarterback that you've been disappointed in. Yeah, Kirk Cousins, and it's not like Kirk Cousins is having a terrible season. Right now he's the QB8 over at Fantasy Pros. But when I – 
you know, did my initial analysis on Kirk Cousins and he joined the Minnesota, I really had him pegged to be doing maybe like what Josh, what Jared Goff is doing right now as a QB3. If you remember earlier in the year, he had a couple of 400-yard games. And at that point, I think it was up to week five, he was on pace to throw for over 5,000 yards. And that was a preseason hot take of mine that Kirk Cousins would finally get over that 5,000-yard passing threshold he came close a few years ago with the Redskins, and I, I believe he finished as a QB 4 or 5 this year. And now, you know, ever since they found a running game with Latavius Murray, Kirk Cousins hasn't thrown for more than two touchdown passes in a game since week four. Mm. And he hasn't gone – well, yeah, he threw for 300 yards uh, two weeks ago, but only two touchdowns and interception against the Saints. Yeah, so in nine games so far, he has 2,685 yards. You could argue that – He's kind of close to – he could actually do that 5,000. He could, but he has to play more like the Kirk Cousins in September because right now he's averaging right around 298, 299 uh, passing yards per game, and that only puts him on track for roughly 4,700 yards. So he's regressed that much because, like I said, when I did his averages earlier in the year, he was on pace to throw for 5,300. Mm. So that's a 600-yard swing. For sure. Yeah, and, and, you know, all the hype regarding Kirk Cousins this season, I think the hope was that he could be a top-five quarterback. Uh, it's yet to be determined. I, I mean, he could very well finish in that range, but like you said, he's around that uh, QB8. Now, if you were going to tell me before the season that Adam Thielen would be the wide receiver one, I, I would tell you that Kirk Cousins was a top-three quarterback. Well, there's a couple, couple things real quick to look at. I'm looking at his schedule, some of these games he's played. Green Bay, the Rams, the Eagles, and the Saints are his four games he has over 300 yards. All the other teams that he's played, San Francisco, Buffalo, Arizona, New Jersey, or New York Jets, sorry. (laughs) I don't know where I got New Jersey. And Detroit, all those games he didn't throw for very many yards, but those are all running games where they're basically gimme wins for the the Vikings, except for Buffalo where – yeah, that was a weird was game. Just, we're still trying to figure out what happened in that game. Yeah, that yeah. was just a fluke of a game. But all those other games were just running dominant, defense dominant. But coming up, his next three weeks, he has Chicago, Green Bay, and New England. So he's going to have to be throwing the ball. So he might get back up to your projection there. Yeah, that Buffalo-Minnesota game just really confuses all of us, quote, experts. You know, we're still trying to figure that one out. Uh, I think everyone had Latavius Murray as the chalk that week. And, you know, Kirk Cousins was a, was a go. And it just didn't work out. But you're right, Blake. It's like he's performing in these games where, you know, he's actually playing well against the tough defenses. And then, you know, these games like Arizona, Buffalo, uh, the ones that you just mentioned, those are games where I was like, yeah, I'm starting Kirk Cousins. I feel great about it. Um, But it's just not happening as consistently as we want it. So I think that there is definitely room for that potential top five finish for Kirk Cousins. Uh, Stefan Diggs needs to be healthy if that's going to happen. I'll say that. Yeah, what the hell happened to Kyle Rudolph? <laughs> I know. Yeah, he's nowhere to be found. I thought he would be hyper-targeted this season. Um, so I, I think that's just a testament to uh, his connection with Adam Thielen because all of those targets are, are – you know, it's like double the targets that we thought that Adam Thielen could really, uh, could really handle this season. But he, he's, he's destroying the league right now. So we got to give props to Adam Thielen. So we got some big things going with Age of Radio. 
Our show, The Hot Take, is going to be all over Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you can find podcasts. It won't be up quite yet for this episode, but all of our next episodes for the future are going to be on all those platforms. It's really great to be partnered with Age of Radio. You can also find their show over at thefsgn.com. It's the Fantasy Sports Gaming Network. That's my site where we're going to be having the hot take as well. And you can also go over there, and we've got some really good DFS packages right now. We've been killing it. I won 100 bucks, uh, pro- over 100 bucks profit just on a $3 entry this weekend. Uh, and we, right now what we're doing, we have a rest of season for the NHL, NBA, and NFL season. Every night you get projections for Playline, DraftKings, and FanDuel. It's only 100 bucks right now. So all you have to do is go over to the FSGN.com, go to the DFS tab, and then register for the all sports payment payment plan. Like I said, a hundred bucks, you're going to make that back in probably just a couple of weeks. So you know, really good stuff. We've got great customer service. Me and Steve over there, our guy, Ben Heyer, bringing stuff every night, man. Fantastic. Yeah. I love what uh, you guys are doing at FSGN and it's a pleasure to be a part of it. I'm looking forward to uh, getting into diving into some NBA stuff once the uh, <laughs> football season is over. Uh, so let's get into it. Before we get into our in or out for this week, we got to get into it. It was announced uh, via Adam Schefter on Twitter that Des Bryant has officially signed with the New Orleans Saints. Got to love this for fantasy implications. Um, I think that people are very excited about this because you plug in, you know, what was once a superstar into a, a potent offense with the New Orleans Saints. So, Anthony, what are your expectations for Des Bryant for the rest of the season? You know, this could go either way. Des Bryant could either, you know, have a pretty good rest of season or he could be like what Adrian Peterson was last mm. year and coming into the locker room and being a disruption and then ultimately getting released. I do think this is a different Des Bryant. Des Bryant has been preparing. This was a calculated move to turn down the Ravens and the Browns and, and wait for a team like the Saints to come calling in. And Des Bryant, I think he has a chance to outseat a, a Traquan Smith, but Des is – his upside for me is in the red zone. The Saints really don't have that that middle-of-the-field big-body target aside of Michael Thomas for the red zone. Ben Watson has been coming on of late. That's where I think Des Bryant's going to win his most battles is inside the 10-yard line and those jump balls that we remember Tony Romo getting to Des Bryant. Yeah, so Adam Schefter tweeted out this earlier. He said, Des Bryant's deal with the Saints is for one year through the end of the season, per source. He wanted to prove what he can do and become a free agent again. And he gets to do it for a contender, which also, which also was important to him. So, yeah, definitely being with a contender is going to help him. Like you said, going to the Browns wasn't going to do anything for his value. Even though he would have been getting the money earlier, probably would have made more playing with them. If you look at it, he's got a chance to go out and win a Super Bowl. And if they do win a Super Bowl – that's going to make his value go up if he has any part in that, um, you know, for obvious reasons, just showing that he can make a team successful. And like you said, they need somebody else other than Michael Thomas. Ben Watson has been playing well, but adding another body like that's going to command a lot more respect from defenses. You know, can you imagine how bad it would look? And this is a long shot and this isn't a hot take, but what if Des Bryant outperforms Amari Cooper? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, if you're if you're Jerry Jones, you got to sell a team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's look that we could go on and on about the mishaps in the front office of the Dallas Cowboys and everything they've done wrong. Um, one of which was get rid of Des Bryant. I thought they handled that tremendously wrong, especially when you consider that the reason why they let DeMarco Murray walk was one, because they wanted to pay Des. So this is a few years ago. They paid Des a lot of money and then they brought in Ezekiel Elliott. Okay, you made the right move on paper as a, from a football perspective. But then to, to, for two years later, just to get rid of the guy after you, you know, went out of your way to pay, the, pay, uh, pay him superstar money, it just didn't add up. Um, so I, I think they could have just saved that first round draft pick and yeah, just kept Des Bryant. Now, when I look at it from a Saints perspective, I think if they use Des Bryant predominantly in the slot, that could be huge for this offense and Des Bryant's fantasy production. So we really want to look at that because you look at a guy like Traquan Smith, he's great on the outside. You know, he's the nine route kind of guy. Where are they going to put in Des? Well, it would make sense if they put him in the slot. You know, I think him and Michael Thomas can be interchangeable in that, in that position. So let's just kind of look how they use Des before we kind of project fantasy output. But, Anthony, like you said, regardless, he's a red zone threat. He's going to give you touchdown upside. Week 13, he's at Dallas. And, you know, as a DFS play, I love that revenge narrative. Give me some Des Bryant in week 13. Yeah, I'm a Cowboys fan, and I'm not looking forward to it. I have a feeling this is going to be one of those two touchdown games for Des, and he's going to kind of throw it in their face. For sure. And, you know, I think he, he should. But the thing is with Des Bryant, and I, to go – piggyback off of uh, your your kind of question earlier if he's going to be a distraction or not what we've seen from Bryant I mean he is vocal on Twitter right probably too much to that end but you know so is our president so what, what can you do there but at the same time he has been seen with Jerry Jones uh, in the box office at a you know I think it was a Beyonce concert right he's kept in touch with these people to have this kind of guy leave the way he did and wasn't handled right at all. And to still be, to still speak well of these people and to still communicate with them and be seen with them out. I think it just goes to show that there was really no bad blood there between Bryant and a lot of most of the Cowboys organization. So no, and it, and it was a lot of the former players. It was, yes. it was Tony Romo and Jason Witten who were on the phone with, with Sean Payton, because Sean Payton coached Romo and Jason Witten over in Dallas back in, I think, 2006, 2005. That's right. Right around that area under Bill Parcells, and they vouched for Des Bryant. You know, I think you can make the case that Des getting uh, released by the Cowboys was the best possible move for Des because Des doesn't fit into an offense with Dak Prescott. Right. Des was at his peak with Tony Romo and one of those gunslinging quarterbacks, that's not Dak Prescott football. He's not a gunslinger. Right. Going to a Drew Brees-type offense, this can only be uh, be good for Dez. I said originally, when, when Dez was released, his best landing spot was in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Yep, rub it in. <laughs> well, yeah, that could, have been, that could have been great. And I think that, you know, the, the Packers kind of saw their young receivers and, and decided against it. Maybe a good move by them because we see MVS, the, uh, the production he's had. Yeah, I think it's a good move. And like you said, I think the Saints are a really good fit for Des Bryant. So all things considered, I think he needed to get out of Dallas. I think Dallas needed to get rid of him. 
maybe there was a little bit more drama when he left than should have been. Uh, but, but like you said, you know, if you're at work, you might like your coworkers, but not like work. Right. It might be the same thing for Dez. He was probably fed up with the situation. He probably didn't like Jason Garrett very much, but I'm sure he still respects his teammates and respect Jerry Jones. He was very open about, you know, the, the guys that kind of had a voice and he wasn't one of those guys, you know, you're Sean Lee's and people like that. So I think it is a good situation. I'm excited to see what he does. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up rest of season being a borderline wide receiver, three wide receiver two. Now I think he can put up that kind of production in this offense. If he's getting the red zone targets, which I think we all think that he will. But let's get into our in or out segment. We want to get through as many start sit questions as we can. Uh, just kind of what we've seen over the past week who are kind of close in rankings and who you're going to have to make a decision with. So let's start at the quarterback position. Got Marcus Mariota coming off like a huge game against the Cowboys or Blake Bortles against the Colts this week. Blake, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I don't know. This is <laughs> – it's kind of tough. I don't really want to play either of these guys if I can avoid it. I wouldn't think too many people are going to be in a situation where they're going to have to pick between these two. But, yeah, obviously Mariota did have a big week last week. Blake Bortles, I don't know. Can you trust Blake Bortles or not? I don't know if you can trust Mariota. Uh, at the end of the day, I think I'm going to go with Mariota against New England. They're at home. Jacksonville is at Indy. Um, you know – I think that Andrew Luck can put up a fair amount of points against the Jacksonville defense, but I just don't see Blake Bortles being able to do much. Yeah, I'm usually a Blake Bortles apologist. I, I, I actually like Blake Bortles a lot. Despite what we've seen, I still think that he could win football games if Leonard Fournette is, is in the game as well. Leonard Fournette is the heartbeat of that offense, much like Ezekiel Elliott's the heartbeat of – Dallas's offense, and when Ezekiel Elliott plays well, as does Dak Prescott, and the same thing here with Blake Bortles. If we see Leonard Fournette this week, and all indications are he will return and start, I like Blake Bortles. Look at what Derek Carr did to this Colts defense. Right. Two weeks ago. Blake Bortles has the weapons. He has the Dante Moncrief revenge factor. Moncrief has played well. They've been getting DJ Chark, the rookie involved. You know, Keelan Cole, maybe he was just a little bit of a flash in a pan last year, but D.D. Westbrook's a player. Uh, James O'Shaughnessy, their tight end return to practice. So they are getting healthier, and I do think they can make a, a playoff run, and, and Blake Bortles should be a big part of it. It wasn't, you know, even last year, Blake Bortles didn't come on until – late November, December. So this isn't new. Yeah, I'm looking at Blake Bortles right now, and I'm seeing uh, he's actually on pace for over 500 rushing yards. So he's actually giving you a nice baseline with the rushing yards. He's the most underrated rushing quarterback out there. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt about that. I think you hit it right, though, when you said he needs Leonard Fournette in the offense. I, mean, I think that's the thing that separates him from being QB, QB2, QB3, from being a back-end QB1, top-end QB2. You know, he gets the rushing upside, especially when Fournette's in, because they have to honor the rush with him. Uh, but you saw a lot last year, late in the year, especially when you're getting in towards, like, the fantasy playoffs. He had a lot of those rushes where he was going for 15, 20 yards at a time, and that's, that's a big deal for fantasy purposes. You know, they won the – 
the wild card playoff game because of Blake Bortles rushing. Exactly. Yeah. What, how many yards did he? He had a ridiculous amount of yards in that game. I think it was like ninety. I'm not, I'm not sure. I think he had ninety rushing yards yeah, that game. It was something like that. Yeah. So you know, rushing aside, uh, you know, like you said, Anthony, we saw Derek Carr light up this uh, Colts defense. Now, I do think that there's going to be a kind of a game script dependency where I think the Colts are going to have to be up in this game for Blake Bortles to return the kind of value that you want in fantasy because we love Blake Bortles in garbage time. Um, Marcus Mariota, the, both of these guys are really cheap on DFS. You know, I think that they're both viable options, uh, you know, in a DraftKings situation where they're both like about 47, 4,900. Um, but if you have to choose one in redraft, I say that you have a nice floor with Blake Bortles rushing, and you also have the upside of a big game in with this garbage time. I mean, we saw Derek Carr become a top five quarterback in the week that he played the Colts, scored some like 37 fantasy points. So we want to kind of look at that and say, okay, I think that there could be a correlation here with a Blake Bortles. Like you said, Anthony, uh, DJ Chark is coming on, and I think that that's actually going to help um, Blake Bortles' upside moving forward. So moving on, let's go Carson Wentz or Big Ben. Carson Wentz, Sunday night football against the Cowboys. Yeah, I think that the matchup's going to be a little bit in favor of Big Ben, but I think that they're going to run a little bit more with James Conner. I don't think you're going to have to worry about a running game from Philly. And you've got Golden Tate there in that offense now, just making that offense even better. Carson Wentz has been heating up. You know, I think that primetime game Sunday night at home, against the division Cowboys. That's going to be a fun game to watch, but I think Carson Wentz has got to be a player this week. Yeah, this is a tough one for me because, you know, Carson Wentz, and I'm looking at his, 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 his historical numbers against Dallas, and in three games only puts up 17.7 fantasy points per game. Uh, the Cowboys' defense, I know that they gave up 28 points to the Titans, but they were working with short fields. Those turnovers are – really put the Cowboys defense in a bad spot. You can make the case that the Cowboys defense was a, probably the best defense in football for the first half of the season. I think they're going to take that with them in Philadelphia and, and you know, cause Carson wants to struggle a little bit. I, I do like Ben Roethlisberger. He's playing well. And then he has the Carolina Panthers this week who were just lit up by Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I'm going to lean to Ben Roethlisberger's side here for the upside. Yeah, I think that usually I would take Ben Roethlisberger, but I am taking Wentz here. A lot of it has to do with the Sunday night as opposed to Thursday night. Um, I, I hate the idea of getting burned on a Thursday night, but if you want to look at that, Ben Roethlisberger, I think, had four touchdowns last year on a Thursday night game against the Titans. So he can certainly produce. It's at home. So if this was on the road, maybe this would be definitely don't play Big Ben on a Thursday on the road. Uh, but I think this is really close. And the reason I'm going Carson Wentz is because it's at home. I think that the Eagles are going to be rocking. We just saw the Cowboys get crushed by the Titans. So I'm looking at Marcus Mariota work this Cowboys defense, and I'm thinking that Carson Wentz can do the same thing, if not better. So look at, think, think of all the weapons that this team has right now. Two of them are Cowboys killers traditionally. Alshon Jeffrey has destroyed the Cowboys for his career. Um, going back to a Monday night game with the Bears where he had, I think it was two or three touchdowns and 100 yards. And just last year, Golden Tate had two touchdowns against the Cowboys for the Lions. So 
they're going to get Tate involved. They're going to see what they have in their new weapon. And I think no, that uh, was earlier in the season that Tate did that. Uh, was he that, already played Dallas this year? Oh, so there was the two touchdowns. Was it this year? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay, so he gets to play Dallas again. Good, yeah. But, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, he's had three big games against Dallas, and then he's had three games where he, where he really didn't do much at all. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. No, I'm sure. more worried about um, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard than the Philadelphia wide receivers, to be honest. Yeah, I think there's a nice narrative for Dallas Goddard to have a big game against a team that, uh, you know, probably would have drafted him if the Eagles didn't step in front of them in, uh, in that second round. I'm kind of worried about Goddard, though, going forward because Golden Tate steps in there, and I saw a, a tweet from James Coe. I don't know if you'd be able to find it now. This is, It's been a while. Uh, I can't remember the exact percent, but it's something like 90% of uh, Golden Tate's targets come in the same area that Zach Ertz's targets come in uh, within like 10 yards or something like that. Right. So you're going to look at a, a high volume of targets that are going to be those short passes. And then you're still going to have Nelson Aguilar and Alshon Jeffrey as your downfield guys. That's not really going to leave Goddard that much room to work. For sure. And he's only, you know, playing on 50% of snaps. So he, he's not in there all the time, but he did score two touch or a touchdown in each of the past two weeks. Um, so I think that there is definitely upside for a touchdown for a Goddard. Of course, you're not playing Goddard in redraft uh, unless it's a deeper league, but, um, I think he's a sneaky DFS play for sure. I mean, this is, you know, I, I think that the Eagles know that they stepped in front of the Cowboys and took Dallas Goddard, who I think was an obvious pick for them at the second round. Um, so it, it's kind of like, you know, I, I think that there's that sort of narrative that comes into play here. All right, moving on to the wide receivers. We got Marvin Jones or Marquez Valdez-Scantling of the Green Bay Packers. Anthony, why don't you start us off here? Yeah, I get the intrigue with Marvin Jones, but like we were talking off air, I'm a big Marquez Valdez-Scantling fan. I think he's on his way to emerge as the Packers' number two wide receiver because it's clearly not Randall Cobb. There's no more Geronimo Allison in play, and Aaron Rodgers understands that if he wants to win games, this rookie is going to need to be more involved because Devontae Adams, he's getting the top coverage. He's drawing the double coverage, and any opportunity that we've seen MBS receive, he's turned out some pretty pretty big play so far. So I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling is the play this week and moving forward. You know, I deemed him as a, as a, as a league winner. Yeah, Scantling's definitely going to be my choice. You looked at him as a fantasy option, and fantasy-wise, he's performed well. That first week when he played, I, I picked him up, played him in DFS, you know, and he looked rough, not going to lie. He looked rough running into other receivers, uh, not getting his foot down, going out of bounds. And then last week, he had that one catch where, you know, he just turned on a dime, caught the ball, somehow got both feet down. Looked really good last week. I think this kid – can be every bit as good as Devontae Adams. And if you can get two Devontae Adams on the same team, that's going to be huge for Aaron Rodgers. Hey, he's averaging 21.1 yards per catch right now. My goodness. I believe it's second in a league, second or third in a league. Oh, yeah, it's got to be up there. I mean, you can't really expect that sort of uh, production to keep up with the 21. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he only had three catches last week for 101 yards. So, Right, and, and I mean, then that's what's happening. And he, 
This he had a, the same stat line in week six against San Francisco, three for 103. That's right. Yeah, uh, and he, you know the past few games has been that low production, but in the past four games he's had at le- either a touchdown or 100 yards. So you give me 100 yards or you give me a touchdown, I'm pretty happy with that. So I think the volume can increase, especially this week for MVS against Miami. Uh, like you said, Anthony, Devontae Adams is getting most of the coverage. Miami has uh, some very good defensive backs. I think they're going to be very preoccupied with uh, Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham over the middle. I think MVS just gets that sort of benefit for the rest of the season to be kind of on that single coverage, and you know he's going to have opportunity with that. You got Marvin Jones at Chicago this week. I got to go MVS with the matchup. It just, you know, Green Bay's at home. I'm going to ride the hot hand with MVS. You know, I think MVS has a shot to finish as a wide receiver one this week with Devontae Adams likely getting the coverage from Xavier Howard. Yeah. It's a, it's a great matchup. Uh, I, I love it. I mean, you have to figure that Green Bay is going to put up some points on Miami, who, who's given up a, a lot of points. So moving on, let's go Deshaun Jackson. He's going to have a revenge sort of game against uh, the Washington Redskins or Amari Cooper, who we just saw have a great game for the Cowboys. Blake, why don't you leave, leave us off? Well, that's going to be DJX for me. Having Ryan Fitzpatrick back makes all the difference. Look at those first two weeks that DJX put up. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. I don't think he's going to do anything that crazy for the rest of the year, but I think he's going to be the more consistent play than Amari Cooper. I think Amari Cooper has a good ceiling. He has a good touchdown upside with Dak there. Uh, Zeke's going to get him down the field so that they can be in the red zone. But I just don't know that Amari Cooper week in, week out is going to do what he did last week. You can jump in, Anthony. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay over on the Mari Cooper side. The Cowboys did not bring him in to just you know dink and dunk the ball around. They are going to force passes his way, and possibly a little bit more so against the Eagles because there could be a chance that the Cowboys are chasing points, and and that's going to be a lot of targets for Amari Cooper. And the Eagles' defense, their run defense is is really good, but their pass defense they can be exploited. And you bring up Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson has had three straight games with fewer than three receptions and four games with fewer than three receptions on the season. You mix in Adam Humphreys, who's had somewhat around 31 targets in the past three weeks, and I I think Deshaun Jackson is way too boom or bust for me to count on what he did in the first two or three weeks. And now you got the Washington Redskins, and I know that their defense were they were finally exploited last week. But I'm not going to say the Tampa Bay offense scares me as much as as Matt Ryan and company because it doesn't. Yeah, this is a tough one. I really want to go to Sean Jackson having this revenge game against the Redskins. You know he's going to want to score a touchdown, and I can certainly see it happening. But I think the floor is with Amari Cooper. Uh, you know, Anthony, like you said, they didn't bring him in for no reason. Uh, so he's going to be targeted. They have the- to justify the pick. Sure, exactly. They have like, to justify it at this point. And as an organization, you want to look right. You want to look like you made the right move. So on Sunday night football for all the world to see, yeah, I can see them hyper-targeting Amari Cooper. Um, I, how, how many targets did he get last week, Anthony? Did you see that? I have to run in and check. Yeah, I mean, five catches. So we're at least five targets, um, eight targets. 
eight targets. So if we're talking about eight targets, eight to, you know, maybe he can get a little bit more with Jalen Mills guarding him, who uh, is, is been exploited all season long. I'll go Amari Cooper on Sunday night football. I like that sort of uh, scenario for him to have a big game. So moving on to a couple of young explosive receivers, we got John Ross, who, if he plays this week, and he did practice yesterday, I, I, did, I do know that. Uh, if he plays this week, we have to assume health when we're doing these. Um, John Ross, who's going to have opportunity in this Bengals offense now that A.J. Green is not there. He's going to be the deep threat for Andy Dalton against the Saints or D.J. Moore against the Steelers on, on Thursday night football. Anthony, why don't you lead us off here? You know, this is going to be pretty close for me. And my issue with D.J. Moore is the fact that Curtis Samuel is a very similar player, and they do similar things. They both get handoffs. They are both playmakers. And it seems like, okay, everybody, you're, you're, everybody's going to get four targets, four to six targets if you're not right. named Christian McCaffrey and Greg Olson and do what you can with them. So it's very boom or bust. And the Panthers' offense is very much ran behind uh, Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton. So it, it, it's everybody else, including Je uh, Devin Funches, who I don't trust whatsoever for that reason. And it makes me want to lean on the John Ross side a little bit more. Uh, if you're facing the Saints, you know, Lattimore has been doing a good job against the number one wide receiver, and we could assume it's Tyler Boyd. And if John Ross is healthy, I think he can have a pretty big game. We've seen him flash a little bit before, and he's going to have to step up. He has top ten first-round draft talent. So that's not really in question. It's always been injury. And if John Ross can stay on the field, I think he's going to have a big game. Yeah, for me, when you're looking at DJ Moore, like you said, you're going to have four or five targets. Do whatever you can with them. Uh, that's one thing John Ross hasn't had a whole lot of targets, but whenever he's been in, A.J. Green has also been in. If he doesn't have A.J. Green there and he's playing, I really like it for him. Obviously, A.J. Green's not playing this week, so uh, it's a good setup for him. And like you said, I think both of these guys could be kind of boom or bust, but D.J. Moore's only been over 60 yards one time this year. If I'm going to take any kind of chance on either of these guys, I'm going to take John Ross with a much higher upside. Yeah, but like you guys said, both are boom plays. So if you're putting either of these guys in your flex lineup, you're chasing some points and you're saying, I need this boom play from this guy. So I would go John Ross because there's a clear path to targets. Uh, you know, they're distributing the ball everywhere in Carolina. And, you know, this Steelers defense has been, you know, gashed at times, but I think fundamentally they can be ready for those double reverses and things like that that they want to run with DJ Moore, who has been getting these, you know, kind of chunk yardage uh, on these carries, like 32 yards on one carry last week. So I, I don't want to rely on that. I want to rely on John Ross, assuming that he's on the opposite side of Tyler Boyd on that, out, on that strong side for the majority of snaps. Um, that's yet to be determined with John Ross. So we really want to look at his health moving forward. We really want to check out what these beat writers are saying about John Ross, how he looks in practice. But if he is healthy, I'm going to go John Ross. Let's move on to the tight ends, guys. Uh, do, you guys wait, uh, do you guys do breaking news? We have breaking news on Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh. Oh, oh we can make time for Le'Veon Bell. Yes, sir. All right, it's uh... – let me find the source. It just came up on my phone. He's spotted in the gym at Pittsburgh right now, in Pittsburgh. Hey, that's pretty telling. That's pretty telling, in my opinion. I think he's playing this year. Yeah, you got to be careful, though, because he does have a home in Pittsburgh, 
And I'm sure he's not a, you know, most of these professional athletes aren't going to just quit working out if they're not playing. So <laughs> that's a good point. Take it with a grain of salt. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm comboing this news with the farewell spelled wrong, by the way, uh, to <laughs> Miami. Um, so I, uh, you know, leave him. I think, yeah, I think he was coming back to Pittsburgh regardless. You know, the time's getting short, so I'm sure they're having meetings and whatnot. Yes. I'm sure there's, there's some kind of communication that has to be going on between them and the organization trying to figure out what's going to happen, what the possibilities are. You know, there's not enough time left for them not to be talking at all. Well, regardless, you heard it here first on the Hot Take Podcast. Uh, Le'Veon is back in Pittsburgh. Now, was he at the facility or is he just in Pittsburgh? He's at LA Fitness. Oh, that's fun. I have a membership there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's get into some of these uh, tight ends. Uh, we got Jack Doyle or Jared Cook this week. Jack Doyle last week, 10 targets. Is that going to keep up, Anthony? Listen, I keep deeming Jack Doyle as the wide receiver two on the Colts. And I get that he's a tight end, but he's really a wide receiver in between the 20s. You know, I'm not going to say Ryan Grant is the clear-cut wide receiver two, and I'm not going to say Chester Rogers is. And Jack Doyle in between the 20s, if it's not T.Y. Hilton getting the ball, it is Jack Doyle. So he's like a pseudo-wide receiver. Eric Ebron will still get a lot of the, the red zone looks, but we even seen it uh, against the Raiders. Jack Doyle ended up in the end zone. He is the number one tight end on the Colts. I don't want to hear another word about Eric Ebron. I think <laughs> whoa, whoa, Jack you know, you're Doyle is going to hot take. We're big Eric Ebron fans here. You know that. <laughs> well, watch we out. Did, watch out for Jack show, Doyle. We did, we did talk about that at the beginning of the year. We said, you know, if Ebron was anywhere else this year, you know, basically anywhere else besides there where we know that Andrew Luck has that connection with Jack Doyle, we were going to be much higher on him this year, but we weren't. And then Ebron just kind of emerged, you know, a few weeks in, he is emerging, he's producing every week, you know, we're all loving it. But like you said, now it's Jack Doyle, he's getting those targets. You have to respect that. And I would like to lean with Jared Cook for the upside, but I just don't know with playing the Chargers this week, there's going to be a lot of run game on that side. And I don't think that Oakland's going to be able to capitalize on their limited amount of attempts this week. I don't think they're going to get a whole lot of chances to, to do anything against the Chargers. So I'm going to have to go with Doyle. You know, I like Doyle's matchup too. If there is one weakness in the Jaguars' defense in the past few seasons, they can't stop a tight end. Yeah. We saw, you know, Goddard and Ertz both score in London. And this could be one of those weeks where Ebron gets in the end zone and Jack Doyle has a big game. Most definitely, yeah. What we've seen with Eric Ebron, which, you know, I was very uh, happy that Ebron has been, you know, putting up numbers. But what we've seen is these, like, three for 35 and a touchdown. Like, oh, phew. All right, but that's that good enough. I mean, in 2018 yeah. fantasy football tight end position, sure. you know, 330 and, and a one stat line, that's enough to be a tight end one. Most definitely. But what we see with Jack Doyle is this kind of volume that can, we can look at and be like, okay, even if he doesn't score, at least he's getting 10 targets. He, at least he's getting eight targets. And, you know, like you said, he's that guy in between the 20s that, uh, that Andrew Luck looks for. We know that works. We know that works consistently when Doyle's on the field. Derek Carr is just so erratic that it's just hard to rely on him in any circumstance. So if it's, you know, looking at the quarterback, looking at the situation, uh, you make a great point, Anthony. Jacksonville's 
that's a nice matchup to target uh, tight ends. Any defense that has really good cornerbacks, uh, you want to target that tight end uh, because that's kind of like the only place they can go in the middle of the field, uh, these quarterbacks. So give me Jack Doyle on this matchup. Um, let's move on to the running backs. I don't want to waste any time with uh, more tight ends. Um, let's go Sony Michelle or Mike Davis. Sony Michelle looks to be coming off of a knee injury. He looks to be healthy for Sunday against the Titans. Um, or Mike Davis, assuming that uh, Carson doesn't play. Man, I don't know. I, I hate to assume anything in Seattle right now. You saw Chris Carson going down, and then Rashad Penny gets, gets some carries. Davis gets a lot of carries. I really don't know what they're going to do. I think that's kind of the point. Um, they're trying to be like the Patriots and keep us all at bay. And I, I feel like I'm going to go with Sony Michelle as a safer play because you know he's going to come back in the offense and get the carries. Obviously, James White's been electric. He's been awesome. I'm really glad to have him on my team now. Uh, so, so I think Sony Michelle's he's going to lose maybe a little bit of the value he had before, but I think he's still the safer option. Does Cordell Patterson scare you? Do you think that he's going to get any of those carries that Sony Michelle would have gotten? You know, I think they might bring him in for – a handful of plays just for different looks. Um, you know, maybe they want to do something kind of exotic, some, some weird formation. Maybe that's when they bring him in, but I don't think they're going to bring him in, you know, for two downs a set. I, I don't see anything crazy like that happening. Yeah. I like Sony Michelle a lot in the matchup and I know the Titans, they present a pretty, a pretty strong defensive front, but that can be exploited. Ezekiel Elliott still had a pretty big game for, in terms of yards per scrimmage last week. And we've seen Sony Michelle, when he gets North of 18 carries, his floor is 98 rushing yards and a touchdown with one reception and 12 yards. And he's done that in three games this year. And you know, week seven, four for 22, he was hurt that game. I think he's going to return, and it's going to be, a, you know, all systems go with Sony Michelle. I'm yeah, not Mike, worried about Cordell Patterson, really. Yeah, I, I can see a situation where Sony just steps right back into the same role. Uh, but what we kind of saw from Cordell Patterson, which I, I didn't expect at all, was the power running game that you know Bill Belichick, that, that kind of caught his attention. Um, if they have somebody who they can, like, feed the ball to, with, you know, in that one-inch line, he could vulture a touchdown. But Sony does the same sort of thing, of course. So, Cordero Patterson's time Montgomery circa 2016. Sure. And, um, but circa 2016, you know, Ty Montgomery did get a lot of – No, he definitely did. No, I agree. Uh, you know, I, I think – Patterson maybe has touchdown upside if he gets it on the goal line, but they're only going to bring him in five or six, you know, five or six opportunities. And that's he's not going to see 10. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Something like five to eight carries. He, I think they'll still maybe give him like five carries. Uh, but Sony, yeah, he's got the touchdown upside. And, you know, of course we know that he's going to get that five, six yards per carry. Uh, Mike Davis is uh, playing the Rams this week. And if Marcus Peters just keeps playing the way he's playing, there's no reason why Russell Wilson wouldn't target any wide receiver that Marcus Peters is guarding. Uh, so I think that could limit Mike Davis in the passing game this week. Um, and we're still not sure about Chris Carson. So give me that Patriots running back in his assumed role. Let's go a little deeper here. Elijah McGuire, who played well in his first game this season, or Jalen Richard of the Raiders, another Raider we're kind of picking on here. But 
I'm going to go Elijah McGuire, uh, especially now that Josh McCown is here. We've seen Josh McCown, who's going to be starting uh, for Sam Darnold this week. Darnold uh, was seen in a walking boot, and we know for at least this week it's going to be McCown. Uh, we've seen McCown uh, you know, play well in the, in the screen game for uh, pass-catching running backs. Um, so I really like McGuire's upside against this Buffalo Bills defense, so I'm going to take McGuire. Yeah, I'll go ahead and take McGuire too. I think that the Jets are going to have to be smart in this Buffalo game. Buffalo can give them a challenge. I don't think it's going to be enough to, to beat them. Josh McCown knows what he's doing. I think they're going to make the most of it. And I think they're going to try to keep this game somewhat low scoring, uh, keep it on the ground, run out some clock, just try to avoid the big mistakes, and they're probably going to win this pretty easily. Yeah, I'm going to stick on to the Elijah Maguire fan. It wouldn't surprise me if he ultimately emerged ahead of Isaiah Crowell because Isaiah Crowell, aside from his two big games and it really three, four, five big runs inside those, inside those games, Isaiah Crowell doesn't scream locked in starter for the rest of the season. And Elijah Maguire is the future of the team. It wouldn't surprise me if he was the RB1, uh, if not this week, in the coming weeks. And I like Jalen Richard in Oakland. He's caught at least, you know, seven passes in, in two games, three games. And he was on track for that against the 49ers before he left with an injury. Jalen Richard is a very, very safe play in PPR scoring formats, but he doesn't score. So if you're looking for upside, I, I think you're going to go to the McGuire side. But if you need a safe floor in PPR, Richard. Yeah, I think McGuire is for real, and I think this will be uh, a breakout game for him against the Bills. So one more here, Deion Lewis or Tevin Coleman, both guys coming off huge games, uh, 20 fantasy points for Deion Lewis and 30 fantasy points for Tevin Coleman. Of course, he scored the two touchdowns. He'll be playing Cleveland, and then we have another revenge game, Deion Lewis against the Patriots. So, Blake, why don't you start us off here? Yeah, this one's a little bit tough for me because both of these guys could be seeing kind of, you know, vultures with uh, Derrick Henry or Ito Smith. Sure. I think I'm still going to lean with Tevin Coleman, though. He's just been so much more consistent this year. Uh, both these guys can catch a lot of balls out of the backfield. But at the end of the day, I like Tevin Coleman. He's a little bit more consistent, safer play, but he still offers good upside against Cleveland. I like, yeah, I like Tevin Coleman a lot, but I'm going to go on the Deion Lewis side because it seems like – the difference in the Titans on, on Monday night against Dallas was the fact that Deion Lewis had more carries than Derrick Henry, which is something that should have been happening all season long. Deion Lewis is clear-cut the best running back in this backfield. He's more explosive. He was even getting it in between the tackles, and I think he's going to see north of, of 20 touches again this week, especially if the Titans want to have a chance at winning it's going to be close with Tevin Coleman and Deion Lewis, but factoring in the, the revenge factor, factoring in that this is a must-win game for the Titans, plus they have the momentum, I think this is going to be another big game for Deion Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, both have the hot hand coming in. I think Cleveland, uh, I think, is this game in Atlanta? Yeah, in Cleveland. 
in Cleveland. Okay, so you have that home field advantage for Cleveland. Um, and both defenses, Patriots and Cleveland, have been uh, about middle of the pack when it comes to rushing defense. Um, they Both guys like to be used in the passing game for the respective teams, so it's very close. Uh, I'll go Deion Lewis because what I saw with the Titans is uh, a formula that works against, like you say, Anthony, a good Dallas defense. So you don't want to go away from that. You don't want to just start giving it to uh, Derrick Henry this game, 15 carries all of a sudden, when we know that doesn't work. I, you know, Derrick Henry can give you those two yards on a third and two. Uh, you know, he can give you that, that vulture of a touchdown. But Deion Lewis is the more versatile guy. We knew that from the beginning of the season. And now that they're going to use him correctly – I like Deion Lewis's upside, and I like his floor, too, in a PPR sort of uh, scenario. All right, this wouldn't be the Hot Take podcast if we didn't give you a hot, bold prediction for Week 10. My bold prediction, Josh McCown, he's back, and he's against the Bills. It's not the best matchup. I think that that's a misconception that the Bills are, you know, you can walk all over their defense. They play fast. They play aggressive. Um, and they have some playmakers uh, in that front seven. But my bold prediction is Josh McCown is a QB1 this week. When I think of Josh McCown, I think Robbie Anderson. And that's big play waiting to happen. We saw it last year where Robbie Anderson was a wide receiver too with Josh McCown. I think we're going to get some big plays out of uh, Elijah McGuire. So give me Josh McCown as a QB1 this week. My hot bold prediction has to do with Des Bryant. You know, maybe a lot of people are on this bandwagon too. I don't know. I'm sure there are. But Drew Brees is throwing to Des Bryant quite a bit in the Pro Bowl. I've seen it. You know, so they've got a little bit of yes, work sir. going in. Uh, I'm going to give Des two touchdowns in his return. I don't think he's going to go off for a crazy amount of yards, probably some, <clears throat> somewhere between like 50 and 80 yards. But I'm going to give him two touchdowns. Gives him a lot of good fantasy value this week. Anthony, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, before you give us our, your hot bowl prediction, just tell the folks where they can find your stuff and uh, what you got coming up for us. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the real NFL guru. You can also follow the FF faceoff handle for the podcast. I'm the head writer over at gridiron experts. I have a sleepers column that gets published every, every Friday. So look out, we're always putting out uh, audio and, and written and video content as well. So it's, it's nonstop in season, including the off season. Awesome, bro. Before you get out of here, why don't you give us our hot bowl prediction for week 10? Yeah, my uh, bold prediction, I'm going to reiterate what I said before about Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I think he has wide receiver one upside. His cornerback matchup this week is favorable. Torrey McTyler, uh, according to playerprofile.com, he is the 146th ranked cornerback with Xavier Howard occupying Devontae Adams. I think Valdez-Scantling can return 125 yards and two touchdowns this week. I Love think this it. is going to be a coming out party. Love it. Is that hot and bold enough for you, Blake? I mean, I'm a Packers fan. I, w- I would love to see that happen. <laughs> I agree with you. I think it's going to happen. Love it. Love it. All right. On behalf of Blake Sullivan, my name is Stephen Taroni. Check us out on rotoballer.com. Check us out on fsgn.com and soon to be Spotify and iTunes. And we will see you next week, folks. Peace. Thanks for listening to The Hot Take Podcast. 
check out Fantrax HQ and Rotoballer for your fantasy sports news and analysis. All the guys on Twitter at Stephen underscore Taroni and at Blake Sullivan FF. See ya!